I want to thank Sabrina for uh, sharing your story. I so appreciate you doing that. And when we hear each other's stories, it's so powerful. And I love the phrase that you used, invite the Holy Spirit into your reading. Friends, we, we, we all need to do that. We, we need to slow down and find time alone with God, including reading his word, the Bible. And, and when we do, each time we read God's word, we invite the Holy Spirit into our reading and we let him speak to us as we read the word. So again, thank you, Sabrina. Now, as part of uh, Lent, it's uh, just over a week away. And as you heard from Lucas, we want to do this reading plan together as a church. So if you already have a reading plan, would you be willing to put it on pause and maybe go with the plan that we're promoting from the Bible app? Let's just read God's word together as a family. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into our reading. And if you want, you can share on that plan uh, what God has been teaching you and, and just encourage one another in that way. So let's grow as a church community together as we read God's word as a family. And this is just part of the powerful reset that many of us are looking for. And today will be our last message in the reset uh, series. And getting God's word into our lives every day is a powerful part of the reset we all need. And thinking about reset, my, my mind it goes back to a, a major event in, in history. When I was a, a junior high student... Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Anyways, let me take you back to the spring of 1970. The NASA Apollo space program was on the verge of achieving another historic milestone with the Apollo 13 mission. The mission aimed to land astronauts James Lovell, Fred Hazy, and John Swigert on the moon. Little did they know that this journey would soon require a major reset. Um, uh, that there would be a total change in direction uh, that, that really turned into a harrowing tale of, of survival, uh, ingenuity, and teamwork against you know, the backdrop of space. Maybe you've seen the movie Apollo 13 that tells that incredible story. Two days into the mission, approximately 330,000 kilometers from Earth, disaster struck. A routine stir of the oxygen tank caused a, an explosion that reverberated throughout the spacecraft and then sent shockwaves of panic and urgency to mission control in Houston. Houston, we have a problem, Lovell calmly reported, understating the gravity of the situation. Yes, that's where we got the phrase, Houston, we've got a problem from. And those words just echoed across the vastness of space, capturing you know, the dire circumstances facing these three astronauts. The mission, had suddenly changed. Instead of getting to the moon, they had to just get themselves home alive. And that, friends, is one major adjustment, one major reset. Some of you here today, you are a bit like Apollo 13. There's been this huge blowout in your life. It has destroyed your systems, leaving you drifting in space, uh, leaving you drifting uh, to your demise. It's scary, it's, it's harrowing, and, and you just don't know what to do about it. Others of you, you're actually a little bit more like the Apollo 11 or P Apollo 12 missions. I was at a summer camp in the July of 1969 when, when man first landed on the moon, and Captain Neil Armstrong said that's one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. It was a successful mission that changed the course of history. But all through the journey, 
there were these little course corrections, these little resets that needed to be made. But uh, as these resets were made, unnoticed by those of us watching from Earth, the journey was a huge success. Some of you, you just need a few minor resets. Resets that you need to do sometimes daily, uh, weekly, or, or monthly. They're not huge, but they are important. Many of you are like Apollo 11. You just need a few resets along the way and all will be smooth. Four months after, Apollo, after the Apollo 11 mission came Apollo 12. This too was a successful mission, but not without some big cha challenges. Yeah, just 30, uh, 36 seconds after liftoff, disaster struck. Lightning struck the Saturn V rocket, causing a surge of electrical power that temporarily shut down the telemetry, telemetry and, and propulsion systems. A, a significant reset was now needed. And quick action by mission control, as well as the astronauts themselves, saw the necessary reset made that averted catastrophe and led to a successful mission. Some of you are like the Apollo 12 mission. You have a minor but significant catastrophe on your hands. And friends, you can't ignore it. You can't waste time about it. That, you know, you need to deal with it now. But it's a reset that, with God's help, is not way out of your reach. I don't know if it's either Apollo 11, 12, or 13 that best describes you right now. One of those probably does. We all need regular resets in the journey of life. All of us have like periods of life that are relatively smooth, like Apollo 11. Then most of us have these significant blowouts, like what happened to Apollo 12, when it was struck by lightning and lost all its power. And a critical reset, yeah, is needed, will make all the difference. And then more than a few of us have experienced Apollo 13 levels of catastrophic stuff that has left us helplessly spiraling in space. All, all we can see is darkness, and, and we need a radical reset. And, and whether it's regular or critical or radical, resets, they're not always easy. It takes energy. It takes time. It, it takes getting our eyes on God and seeking the Holy Spirit to do what only God can do. Whether it's a regular, critical, or radical reset that you need, listen to these words of encouragement that God has for us uh, through King David. King David writes, God gives a fresh start. Let me say that again. God gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. Are you ready to quit whatever it is that's causing you and others pain? Are you ready to change? Are you ready for a reset? This is a promise from God's word. God gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. Are you ready? Do you want this? In that same Psalm, King David says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. If you're ready for a reset, call out to God. He is in the reset business. He is where we go for a fresh start. Now, with the Apollo missions kind of as a picture of the different levels of reset that we need, what I want to do in this message is look at the story of blind Bartimaeus towards the end of the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. If you want to follow along in your own Bible, maybe the one that is on your phone, we'll be starting at Mark 10.45. Um, 
the verses will also be on the screen. But in this encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus, uh, we see three questions arise that are questions that I think we need to ask as we seek the re- to see maybe some sort of reset in some part of our lives. And uh, as we look at this idea, I've grabbed these three questions from Tom Holliday. He's a, a former preacher who now is doing something called Drive Time Devotions. Uh, they are a daily 10-minute audio devotion that some people use on their way to work. So three questions he throws out from this story that we need to ask as we seek God to do a reset in our lives. The first question, number one, is simple. Where am I? Where am I? In order to get to where we want to go, I first have to ask, where am I? And we see this in the story of Bartimaeus. Then they reach Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left the town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was was sitting by the road. To paint a picture for you, we find a blind beggar named Bartimaeus sitting all alone on the side of the road uh, on one of the bustling streets of Jericho. He lives in perpetual darkness, in a world of total blindness. On the side of a dusty road surrounded by all the noise of life in the city, Bartimaeus kind of remained on the fringe, a a forgotten soul resigned to a life of uh, continual shadows. One day, word was spreading that a renowned healer by the name of Jesus would be walking uh, down that very street Bartimaeus was on. Uh, The blind beggar, fueled by a a desperate yearning for healing, uh, for a fresh start, for a a total life reset, he, he positioned himself by the roadside hoping to connect with Jesus. A hint of hope rose up inside of him thinking that maybe, just maybe, this would be the day when everything changes for the better. Bartimaeus is asking himself, where am I? And he understands where he is and where he has been is sitting by the road. It's a picture of being sidelined. His total life was sidelined. He's sitting by the road. All the dreams that he had for his life, they aren't happening because of his, his blindness. All the hopes for what he ha- you know, had for what might happen someday. Well, he's just having to beg to just make it through the day. He's, he's totally sidelined. And it's a picture I think that a lot of us can relate to right now. Because I know a lot of people who kind of feel sidelined. The events of the last few years, the events of your personal life, you're, you're feeling sidelined. You're not able to move on with your dreams that you have. The way things used to be aren't the way things are anymore. And you feel like life is passing you by. You have this sideline feeling. That's this sitting beside the road feeling. Friends, the the story of Bartimaeus shows us how to get back on the road to life to the full. Bartimaeus shows us how to find a reset. And it all starts with him recognizing where he was and asking himself, is this where I have to say, here I am, do, do I have to stay here? In essence, this is the uh, you are here moment in Bartimaeus's life. You, you know what I'm talking about. On a map, when you see that symbol, that, that symbol that says you are here, and if you want to know how to get to the next place you're going to go to, you have to know where you are in the first place. It starts here. It starts by looking at the map and seeing that you are here. This is where I am. 
To get to uh, where you want to go, you got to know where you are, right? And to know where you are, you have to look at the map. But sometimes we don't look at the map, do we? We don't take the time to ask the question, where am I? And there's a lot of reasons why we don't look at the map. A big one is, I'm sure, is just that we're too busy. We just get so busy that we don't look at the map. But maybe even a bigger reason, at least for some of us, is we don't want to look at the map because we're afraid of what we might see. If I don't look at it, it isn't there, right? Bartimaeus certainly could have done that. I mean, I don't want to look at my life. It's so messed up. It's not what I want. I just have to go on day after day, this daily unchanging routine, not thinking about where I am, but instead of doing that, He actually looks at where he's at. He understands the importance of taking the time to see where he really is. Where am I? It's a question we all need to ask and to ask thoughtfully, seeking the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we ask it, looking at the map of God's word. Because what we're talking about today is not self-help. Excuse me. It is not supernatural help. And we need to invite God into the process Holy Spirit, help me to see where I am. So here's something that you need to pray. pray. It's, a, it's a prayer that David prayed before a great reset in his life. He prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So the the first question we have to ask before a reset can take place is, where am I? And we need the Holy Spirit to help us see where we are as we look at uh, God's map, uh, God's word. We need to invite God into the process from the get-go. This leads to a second question that we need to ask ourselves. Number two, who am I listening to? Because who you listen to is going to have a huge impact on the direction of your life. Take a look at what's happening with Bartimaeus. When Bartimaeus heard uh, that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd looked down on Bartimaeus, a beggar, a blind beggar. They didn't want him around. And I'm betting some thought that this is just not the image of Jericho. We want this great healer and miracle worker, this great rabbi Jesus to see. Uh, I've been to Jordan with Matt and Steph Manili. Uh, Jericho is on the road from uh, Amman, Jordan, to Jerusalem. Well, it's sort of uh, on that road. It's a complicated drive, to say the least, because of the tensions between Jordan and Israel. Yeah, that's Matt in the middle trying to blend in with the locals. In that other pic, there are four guys who wanted to practice their English with us. That was fun. And in the background uh, is what's called the Mount of Temptation. This is the mountain where Jesus was tempted by the devil. It's still a bustling town today, full of posters and billboards calling for the liberation of Palestine from Israel. But yes, this is where Jesus walked. Now, most people, when they go visit Israel, uh, go through Tel Aviv uh, and, and, uh, yeah, But I think it's far more interesting uh, to go into Israel from Jordan, uh, go through the West Bank, the West Bank, the Palestinian uh, part of Israel. Very interesting way to see Israel. But back to our story. 
Bartimaeus is shouting to Jesus, have mercy on me. And the crowd is pushing back on him. You know, they want to keep this beggar out of sight and no sound. And so they're shouting, be quiet. And we have this bizarre shouting match going on where the crowd is trying to silence um, Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is just shouting louder to try and get Jesus' attention. But what I want you to see is that Bartimaeus doesn't listen to the crowd. He doesn't listen to the voice of the world. And because he doesn't listen to the crowd, he hears the voice of Jesus. He hears Jesus in the midst of all of the commotion and all the noise. Friends, this is really critical to see. And yes, in the middle of all of that noise, Jesus notices Bartimaeus. Listen as I read the words of the Apostle Mark. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. You know, because he didn't listen to the crowd, Bartimaeus is in a place where he's able to listen to Jesus. So the question for you today is fairly straightforward. Are you listening to the crowd or are you listening to Jesus? And friends, you know the, the crowd is all around you shouting its values. The crowd is, is on your screens, always shouting at you. The, the crowd is in your pocket, on your phone. The, the crowd is in the lunchroom. The crowd, the culture that we live in is loud, pushing hard for what they believe in. You're either listening to the crowd or you're listening to Jesus. And if you, if you want to hear Jesus instead of the crowd, you really got to know the difference between the voice of the crowd and the voice of Jesus. Okay, what's the difference? I just want to leave you with, with three several differences that we see in the story of Bartimaeus. Number one, the crowd shouts, but you'll see Jesus whispers. We saw that with Bartimaeus. The crowd shouts, you know, be angry, be afraid, be jealous, be discontent, be dissatisfied, reject historic morality, reject God. The crowd keeps shouting through Instagram, Facebook, X, cable news, Snapchat, TikTok. Friends, Jesus usually whispers while the crowd shouts. The voice you need to listen to, uh, the voice that will get you on track, the voice that will lead you to the reset you need is the still, small voice, the whisper of Jesus. This is why you got to break away from the crowd and find a quiet place to spend a quiet time with God so that you can hear his whisper. You need his word, the map, and, and, and then you hear his whisper. This is something you need to do like every day. Break away from the noise, go to a quiet place and have a quiet time with God. There's a second difference between the voice of the crowd and the voice of Jesus. The crowd interrupts. But Jesus invites. The crowd's yelling at Bartimaeus. Hey, Bartimaeus is just asking for help from Jesus. But they're yelling at him, be quiet, be quiet. They're interrupting his attempt to connect with Jesus. The crowd always does that. It, it wants to interrupt our attempts to connect with Jesus. But Jesus hears Bartimaeus despite the crowd's attempt to block him. And, and he's telling Bartimaeus, hey, come here so we can talk. I mean, that is so awesome. Despite the noise of the crowd, Jesus speaks quietly to Bartimaeus, come here so we can talk. 
Now, the truth is, you, you can't help but hear the crowd. Uh, they're always yelling. They're, they're always interrupting. It's, it's like the old, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's this old kid's knock-knock joke about the rude interrupting cow. Maybe you know it. Yeah, some of you do. Knock, knock, who's there? And before you can finish the cow, the, the cow rudely interrupts by mooing. And kids laugh. Not sure why, but they do. And uh, if you don't know the joke, ask an eight-year-old. They'll be thrilled to tell you that joke, no doubt, or just Google it if it's there. The reality is, though, we are surrounded right now by the rude, interrupting crowd always shouting. And whether it's a regular, critical, or radical reset, it's only going to happen as you and I listen to the voice of Jesus and, and choose to accept his invitation to get closer and to hear what he has to say. Because he's inviting us. I promise you, he's inviting you into that kind of conversation because he loves every one of us. Now, I don't want to make too many comments on the new transgender policies proposed by Danielle Smith. Uh, come April, right after Easter, I have a message series called Crucial Conversation with Your Kids, which will include a message about identity in the midst of gender confusion. And I have spoken on this issue before. Let me just say that the crowd is really loud right now. But as a follower of Jesus, um, you know, there is a whisper that he has for us. And we'll look at that after Easter. All right. A third difference between the crowd and Jesus. The crowd waffles, right? But Jesus never wavers. First, they're yelling at Bartimaeus, be quiet, be quiet. And then Jesus says to Bartimaeus, hey, come and talk to me. And once Jesus has his eyes on Bartimaeus and, and invites him to come, the, the crowd does a 180 and they, they say to Bartimaeus, hey, Bartimaeus, cheer up, cheer up. Kind of like it was their idea the whole time. Cheer up, Jesus wants to talk to you. It wasn't their idea. They're just waffling, and that's what the crowd does. They go from shut up to cheer up to shut up to cheer up. They can go back and forth quickly. That's what they do in your life. Um, that's what the crowd will do to you. But Jesus is completely the opposite. He never wavers. His love for you, it will never waver. The fact is, he will tell you the truth, and it will never waver. Okay, one final difference between the crowd and Jesus the crowd cares for itself, but Jesus cares about you. The crowd, by nature of what a crowd is, cares about itself, but Jesus cares about you. The crowd that day, they didn't like Bartimaeus shouting at Jesus. You know why? It, it made them look bad. It was supposed to be a big day of celebration in Jericho. A lot of people were passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. This is like religious tourism. It's a big day. The city was supposed to look great that day. It was supposed to be the most wonderful city in the world, welcoming all these visitors. Even Jesus is passing through on his way to the Passover. This is a big day. But there's this blind guy shouting at Jesus, have mercy on me, and, and he's ruining the show. He's making the city look bad by saying, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Kind of like we don't know what to do with tent cities, right? And on that day, Jesus just cared about Bartimaeus. He focused on Bartimaeus and asked him to come and talk to him. Jesus cares about you. So, who are you listening to? I would encourage you to listen the most to the one who loves you the most, to the one who cares about you the most. Listen to Jesus. Let the promise of his hope, 
you know, drown out the pressure of the crowd. So the questions have been, number one, where am I? Number two, who am I listening to? This leads to a third question we need when we want to reset our lives, and that question is number three, what do I want? This may be the most important question of the three for, for a reset. What do I want? Because if you don't ask that question, you're just going to stay stuck where you are. It takes asking, what do I want, to get to the breakthrough you need. And this is a question that Jesus asks of us as he did Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see him, and he followed Jesus down the road. So the reset is complete. Bartimaeus has gone from being a blind man begging beside the road to a disciple of Jesus following Jesus on the road. And it comes from this question, what do you want me to do? I want to see, he says. And God does this through his faith, this miracle of instantly granting him sight. And God wants to do the same thing in your life, in my life. I mean, right now. Do you have this sense in this moment of Jesus, of Jesus sitting with you, um, looking you in the eye and saying, what do you want me to do for you? Friends, Jesus is here in the room with us right now, and he's asking many of you that question right now. He's looking at you, asking, what is it you want me to do? Yeah, what do you have faith that Jesus would do for you? And then you tell him. And then he works in your life like never before. This is a moment of faith. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. At the same time, you're getting your life in alignment with God's will for you. That's important, living in sync with God and his map for you. Then what you ask for in faith is what you believe God is speaking to you. You know that this is what God wants for you. Now let me throw in a caveat. I mean, it is possible that we, we miss God's will and we ask for something that God doesn't want to do. In, in this very same chapter in the Gospel of Mark, we, we have the story of the disciples telling Jesus what they want, but Jesus doesn't answer them the way that they want. Uh, take a look. What do you want me to do for you? There's that phrase again, Jesus asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptized, uh, baptism I'm, I am baptized with? Sometimes what we think we want, it's not what's best for us. Sometimes what we think we want is not in alignment with God's will for us, right? Friends, we got to get in sync with God and his map for his, his lives. We've got to get in sync with God and what he is speaking to us. And friends, what it is that God wants for our lives is for us to become the person that God designed us to be in the first place. Who is that person? What does that person look like? Well, you ask God to show you who he wants you to be, and it will be in alignment with what you read in his word. I mean, God's word will tell us a lot about how, who God wants us to be, and then God has some very unique stuff particular to you. Listen, if Bartimaeus had not told Jesus what he really wanted, he would not have experienced immediate healing. And God may want to do something immediately in your life through faith if you'll only tell God what you really want. Now, the reset you want isn't always immediate, but sometimes it is. 
But to get there, you need to ask these three questions. Where am I right now? Like, who am I listening to? And what do I want? Okay. You, you see the communion elements up front here. Communion reminds us that uh, what we're talking about is not self-help and just personal self-evaluation. Rather, it is an experience of allowing Jesus to take the work that he did on the cross and supernaturally apply it to our lives. The Apostle Paul says, everything we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. By dying on the cross, Jesus purchased your wholeness. The best version of you was made possible by his death on the cross. Jesus died on the cross not only to pay the penalty for your sin, but to purchase your wholeness, to make the best version of you possible. While we'll not totally become who God designed us to be until eternity, we can now ask Jesus to apply the finished work of the cross to help us overcome the power of sin in our lives, overcome the damage that sin does in our lives, and experience real life change. We can become more and more like the person God designed us to be in the first place. There is a better version of you that God has for you. Hear me. The reset you so want, it is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. The bread you see up front here pictures the broken body of Jesus nailed to the cross to pay your penalty for sin. You are forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. Even when you blow it again, there is forgiveness. The blood represents the cleansing, life-changing power of the cross. The blood cleans and transforms our lives uh, starting now and then going on for the rest of your life. The change you want to see in your life, the reset you so want, is beyond simple human effort. The process of life change you really want is only made possible by the cross and the Holy Spirit takes the work of the cross and applies it to our lives. Friends, if you consider yourself a believer in Jesus, if you have confessed your sin and asked Jesus into your life, if you've confessed your sin and made a decision to follow Jesus, then I invite you in a moment to make a public statement of your faith by coming forward to receive the communion elements. This is an act of worship as you publicly declare I believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross. After you've received the elements, would you go back to your seat and take some time to thank Jesus for not just paying for the penalty for your sin, but for purchasing your wholeness, the best version of yourself. And then as you eat the bread first and drink the juice second, would you ask Jesus to do that reset work in your life? What do you want? Ask him specifically and remember, because of the cross, he purchased your wholeness, that best version of who he made you to be. Let me pray, and then after I play, please come forward as a public statement of faith and with a heart that yearns to be increasingly made whole. Um, just come forward with that heart. And our prayer team will be up front during communion and after communion if you have anything that you would like prayer for. Um, if you, yeah, would like prayer for the reset you need, please come forward to our prayer team and ask for prayer. But first, let me pray. And when I pray, I just invite you to pray along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for how your cross makes how you created to me in the first place to be actually possible. I see where I am, 
Where I am is I need you. I am listening to you, your still small voice as I read your word. And I'm asking, change me into the person you would have me be. As I come forward for communion, I pray for a reset by the power of your spirit. As I partake of communion, I ask that you fill me anew with your spirit so that my life will change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.